This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. How is the school holidays going? Holidays are going really well. Uh, Jack has been getting quite a lot of mountain bike coaching these holidays, so he's really tired and not as talkative as he usually is so it's a quiet holidays that sounds like a good place to be it is (laughs) don't tell him we said that no (laughs) he's probably listening now actually making eyes at me and who are you introducing today today it is my great pleasure to introduce um, one of the special heroes of the world a community engagement coordinator by the name of Claire Cross. Claire is the Community Engagement Coordinator at the Open Valley Urban Eco Sanctuary. That is a cool job. Welcome, Claire. Thanks for joining us. Kia ora. Thank you. Welcome, Claire. Where are you, Claire? I'm in Dunedin, Northeast Valley of Dunedin at the moment. Were you there for the first round of bubbles last year? I was, yeah. Yeah, I've been here for about 10 years now, so around and have been here all the way through um, the last year's lockdown and this year's as well. So how was lockdown last year? How was your bubble life? It was it was apprehensive at, at first because it was where I'm um, flatting at the moment so we weren't too sure what the sort of flat dynamics might be living with um, three other people in a slightly unfamiliar setting in the way that lockdown was at that time. Um, but it worked It worked out really well between us and we got the opportunity to um, bond quite a lot over being together and um, spent quite a lot of time together but also had time to be by ourselves as well. So, yeah, it was, worked out quite nice in the end. And everybody was... Working or studying or bits of both? Bits of both, really. Yeah, I was I was working. I could still do um, catch up on the old paperwork um, at home. And a couple of my flatmates were um, also working and studying as well. So, yeah, a bit of a mix of, of all things, really. How was the working from home? At first, it, it was a bit... Strange because the working at home versus working in the office it's quite a different environment being in a community um, community room sort of space there's a, quite a lot going on around me and then I come home and working at home it's a lot was a lot quieter um, as it was a lot at that time with less sort of people around and things um, so it took a little bit of time to get into that groove, but once I got that focus, it, it went really well in the end. Are you based out of the Valley Project? Yes, yeah. So uh, just based out of the Valley Project, so working in um, with all the other staff as well. So what is the work that you do? Um so I am the community engagement coordinator for the Open View project or Valley Urban Eco Sanctuary. Um, so generally we are working on a few different kind of work streams. Um, with COVID restrictions, things are a little bit um, restricted, but 
Um, generally speaking, we will be working in community spaces, doing weeding and planting and um, trapping as well, um, but also working in backyards, so local backyards, encouraging residents and visitors in this area to take part in wildlife-friendly actions, so be that weeding in the backyards, planting, trapping as well, um, so just encouraging those sorts of actions to help um, enhance the habitat corridor that links Otakunui Eco Sanctuary with the wider Dunedin. So that's one of our sort of um, visions is to see Kaka um, living in here and, and taking that movement across the city from Otakunui into the wider Dunedin and that if they are doing that and making those journeys that it's a really safe place for them um, as well as enhancing it so that the wildlife that is already here has a really nice safe place too. So Orokanui of course is an eco-sanctuary which Mawera mm. always stumbles on whether it's called an eco-sanctuary or something else but <laughs> it's kind of defined by having a big predator-proof fence around it by definition, being open, is that why you're using the term open? You don't have a big fence. What's the yes, premise exactly. there, and so, where did that come about? So it came about oh, in 2017 or so. Um, so how long ago is that now? Four years ago, which seems kind of kind of crazy how quickly that's gone. Um so it is, it is considered open because we're not wanting to put a big predator-proof fence around, say, the Northeast Valley area of Dunedin, the Lindsay Creek catchment. Um, so it's it's sort of creating a, this, a similar idea in that we're trying to create safe spaces for native wildlife, but we're not restricting access in any way um, in terms of having that sort of predator-proof fence. Um, so it, it started out as a education program in local schools, um, working with school children and their families to find out what was actually already here. So we did some predator monitoring and we also looked at the different kinds of foods that birds like to eat in their backyards um, and analysed that as part of a participatory science platform project, so PSP, through the... Um, Otago Museum and Curious Minds um, and we have then since moved into doing a second year of that and now we're on to this more community focused program um, that we've called Backyard Eco Sanctuaries. So it's the, the whole idea of creating those safe spaces with enhanced um, habitat for native wildlife. So there's the creating the, the habitat, so is that about planting? Um, yeah, about planting um, and uh, so in, in terms of, well, I guess in enhancing the habitat specifically, so planting um, plants that provide so spaces for native wildlife to live in um, as well as food for them to eat, so plants that provide um, flowers with nectar or berries, or fruit um, and removing any invasive species like weedy species that aren't maybe quite so beneficial for them them to live on but this is you're talking about people's back gardens so that it's treating the whole the whole suburb as if it's a living organism if you like yeah, I suppose so. And it's it's not just the, the back gardens, it's the community spaces as well. Um, and running throughout the area is the Lindsay Creek. So it's, it's the, the area that we operate in is, is the Lindsay Creek catchment, which I would probably consider as feels as though it's living um, as itself as well. So, yeah. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have the Beatles. Here comes the sun. Why this one? Um, I chose this one because I'm I'm feeling very optimistic about the our movement into spring, um, and it was it was also a song that sort of reminds me of my family and thinking about um, 
my family over in England and that was when I really first heard about lockdown was speaking with them and actually something that has come out of what's happening in the world at the moment is actually having more connections with them um, now than I ever had before mainly due I think to social media but also the way that we can now communicate as we are now for example with Facebook and Zoom and all of those sorts of video um, video messaging um, services that now exist and have become quite popular is, is my understanding or you know more so for me at least so this is the most I've ever used this type of communication before so it yeah, just reminds me of them as well so You said that the the project, the Open View, started out as education. What do you see as the role of education in that kind of project? Um, well, the role of that was really to encourage and build children, in particular at that time, and their families' interest in native wildlife and understanding that to encounter a lot of New Zealand's um, native wildlife you can often just step out right side up right outside your door into your backyard and it's often there and so taking so part of that was um, beginning to take um, a little bit more uh, interest and consideration of what is in our gardens and what is in 
our community spaces and what we can see there um, and how we can support those other projects that are happening like Otakunui Eco Sanctuary that may be a little bit further away um, but we can still have similar experiences that we might do over there right outside our doors. And you talked about participatory science. Do you have schools actively researching, working on community project? Um, so we did at the time. So part of what the, the project was about was doing that research, so finding out what um, mammals were in, in the children's gardens, what birds were there, what they liked to feed on. Um, we also looked at the um, lizard life and the invertebrate life as well. Um, but it's not something that we're doing currently at, at the moment. Um, but it, it would be really nice to be able to do that again. But, you know, with the COVID restrictions, exactly when we might be able to do that, I don't know at the moment. So so what are you working on? Um, so we're, we're currently working on... Um, thinking about how we can engage with the community in a restricted way. So we have, um, instead of having in-person events, we've had some online. So for example, we had planned as part of um, Mental Health Awareness Week to run a sketching workshop, um, which was about bringing the community together in a community space and connecting with nature. So it was um, creating sketches of um, of nature, working with a local illustrator, but unfortunately we couldn't go ahead with that workshop. So instead um, we posted some of the activities online and in our local community newsletter. And so people can independently do that activity and still have those experiences, but in a slightly different way. So we're, we're sort of working towards more of those kinds of things um, instead of having things necessarily in person. Um, but we also do have, we generally have working bees, so we grow some native plants, um, but we, just, we have to restrict our numbers for those, unfortunately. So you say that the the whole initiative has been going for what do we say four years? What does the mm. next four years look like? Where's it going? Um, so the the vision is to see Kaka living in Northeast Valley. So that that is the vision. I suppose it's probably a little bit longer time period. However, we have um, do have some stories about people seeing them in, in around the area. Um, so that would be one of our big, our big visions. Um, we're also working towards a river regeneration plan, and so how can we break that down and look after our creek as well? And one of our, our big projects that we're working on at the moment is trapping. Um, so working with the local. Um, predator-free Dunedin City Sanctuary project, so partnering with them um, to do a big trapping project to get people back out trapping um, for possums and rats. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, koutou hou. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for all of us over the last more than a year we've had a very tricky time together. We've had to navigate so many new realities and ways of doing, being, seeing, feeling. Many of our relationships and ways of life 
have changed and inevitably our relationship with ourselves, our sense of identity, our routines, the daily life that we knew and loved so well, so much, has shifted and changed too. I have three lovely new hens who have joined me at Hey Hey HQ. So I'm talking to you from my backyard, giving them some bread. Very exciting. I've got Lucy and Evelyn with me at the moment. Where's Rose, girls? And Rose may well be laying an egg in a very accomplished way. And the beautiful brown shavers who will sit on my knee, which is pretty amazing. And let me pick them up, carry them around. And of course, my beautiful cat, Poirot, is also joining us and no doubt Hastings will be somewhere nearby and I'm so grateful for these companions and all around me this lush backyard a mixture of native and introduced species and below the soil many helpful invertebrates and mycrosial fungi helping all the plants to communicate and fix nitrogen all around us we see these networks of community I'm very fortunate to be emceeing the volunteer awards on Saturday and that will be very exciting. People from all over our community who give of their time and energy, of their love, of their friendship to enrich our communities. And of course, we're all doing this in different ways every day, whether or not it's formally recognised or formally part of a community organisation. Every small act of kindness and connection makes up a much larger, stronger web of love and support. So I really hope that for you at the moment, you're feeling the benefit of those connections that surround you and you're seeing the contribution that you're making. I know for me, being part of my beloved heart's home, Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, where I'll be heading to later today for our school holiday program workshops, really fills me with a sense of hope and inspiration because we have formalised a thousand year plan. So we're 17 years into this plan and we have another 983 to go. And this makes me very happy because I know I can give and give to it and it will long outlive me. And of course, all of us are doing this. All of us are contributing to a world which will outlive us in this form. So of course, we will be remembered and we will be transformed. All the atoms and molecules that make up our beautiful bodies will be reconfigured into new life. And this is one of the beautiful aspects of the living world, that nothing disappears only transforms. So I really hope for you, you're able to see all the friendships that surround you. And even if you can, which I am trying to, reframe the challenges that arise as friends. Reframe the difficult emotions that arise as friends. So that we can, just like the phone ringing in the background, recognize them as a call to ourselves, a part of ourselves, wanting to make contact, a new opportunity arising in the world around us, wanting to make contact with a part of us that maybe we don't even know about yet. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Claire Cross. Claire, um, these days our children's education is so centred around devices and the internet and, and the absence of real life experiences in a way and so what you're doing is is actually bringing them back to nature what do you think the long-term implications of that will be what do you hope they will be (laughs) yeah so it's an interesting thing is actually one of our volunteers had said that to me recently that having those opportunities for children to connect with nature either through coming along to a working bee and maybe learning about different weeds or different native plants um, or learning how to grow plants as well as part of our our propagation was one way that they could have that time available to actually say, okay, this is time that we're spending out in nature outside rather than finding something to do on devices. and in terms of the, the hopes of, of that impact, I mean, I hope that it then will lead them through caring and understanding about being outdoors and um, looking after our native wildlife and the whenua as they grow older as well. Um, 
Yeah, so it's interesting with with technology and how advanced technology can be and how it is designed to almost keep us on it all the time. Um, but having those differences in the environment with being outside is, I think, really, really beneficial and having those opportunities to be able to do that as well. How can we bring schools back into that space where it's part of the curriculum, that being outside with your hands in the dirt, growing things, connecting with other animals. How do you reckon we do that? Hmm. I think there's probably lots of ways of, that, that we can do that. I mean, there's a lot of the playgrounds and the, the grounds of the school that are outside the classroom are great places where children can connect with native wildlife just it's it's similar to their their backyards where it's just out there um, and I think that having connections to that local community as well and those community spaces where there's more opportunities to be connecting with um, those that native wildlife is is great to be able to be in the community as well. Do you think there's enough funding coming into the space that you're working in? Um, I'm not sure if I could necessarily comment on that. I mean, we, we've received a wee bit of funding to be able to do what we're doing, so I feel very grateful for that. What would increased funding do? How how could you how could you expand the program to um, bring in more kids and more experiences? Um, I suppose if, what, one of the main things that funding can do is to increase the number of workers. I suppose so the people on the ground actually facilitating these projects. Um, and so in that way you could engage with potentially more schools um, and so you'd have more children involved in, in those projects. Do you find that the teachers and the schools are, um, are engaging as well and then continuing the learning once they're back in the classroom or is it just we go, we do it here and then we go back and that's it? Um, my experience with working with, with schools in the past is that it's definitely been much more of a widespread um, nature connection, like longer term connection than just a one-off thing, purely through the teachers being involved and engaged with those projects and getting excited about them too, which then obviously often brings the, the kids along with it. So. Yeah, I think it's it's often more of a case of it um, being seen for a longer term period than just a one-off, which I think is really awesome. In terms of the kids being excited, how did you get excited? How did you get into this sort of work? Um, well, I got into this work through working at Otakanui actually to start with, Otakanui Eco Sanctuary. I um, started as a volunteer working with school groups that came along um, and then I worked with them on a school-wide uh, sort of multi-school program and then through there then found myself in North East Valley working on this project here. And, and one thing that has kept kept me sort of working on these types of projects was just seeing one of the joys was seeing how excited the children got to learn something new and observing their growth through from the start of the project through later on and seeing how much they had learned and how much they had retained and actually then seeing them able to pass on that knowledge to their peers as well was absolutely delightful. 
One of the things that I like about it from an education perspective is, yes, there's the 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 knowledge about the the particular plants to plant or the 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 what might attract the kaka and looking after the river, but also the bigger message mm. because it's turning on its head that notion that nature is out there somewhere in an eco sanctuary, and by definition, therefore, it's mm. not here. It's not in, you know your back garden doesn't count yeah, I mean, as it, it's, and it's really flipping that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's certainly very much the case that, say, Otakano Eco Sanctuary, for example, is is very much um, a highly valued space and a space where it's almost guaranteed to encounter, you know, have those special encounters with certain wildlife. But it it is very much the bringing into the idea that, that we can see see some of these things just in our back gardens as well. And it can be here. And um, we hope it will be in the future. And while we absolutely need to have places like Orokanui as the, the lifeboats and hope that that spreads out, mm. but it it does... So, it, brings with it the, the danger that people think, well, it doesn't matter if I trash this place because there's a lifeboat around the corner. And it's really giving that message that yeah, we have to we, look after we, the whole place. Yeah, we want people to be looking after... Yes, yeah, definitely. We need to be looking after, the, looking after all of the spaces. It's an important thing, isn't it? That notion of place, that you can't be expected to look after other places to care about sustainability in general or climate change, it kind of does start with caring about your own place and the places around you. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I know for for myself, if I have looked after where I, where I am, it makes it easier to then think, okay, where else can I look to now to, to help look after it too? Our colleague or our ex-colleague, uh, Jo Thompson, did her master's on taking school students, high schoolers, I think, around on a bit of an expedition, um, looking at mm-hmm. encouraging people to, to like fall in love with the place where they are, you know, getting them to open their eyes to that place. But then... And hoping that that would increase their sustainability action. But it kind of didn't work. And what she realized was that it wasn't just about making them like a place. It was about making them like a place and having some actions to um, mm. to care for it. And so you're ticking off both of those. It's actually about the place, but it's also here's what we can do to to make it better. Yeah, I think like it, if, for example, one of the places that we've been working on is a local um, park, and we've been we've been working at this site for quite some time now, in fairly low levels due to the guidelines, um, and it feels so much more connected and able to look after it because we've we've spent that time taking those actions, as you say. Um, particularly around weeding um, and then following that through with, with the planting as well. So, I, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's quite accurate, yeah. Let's take the second of your music tracks. Let's have Corinne Bailey Ray's Put Your Records On. Why this one? Um, I chose this one as it had a similar feel to the previous one, that sort of optimistic view of, feeling like we're coming into some hopefully sunshine and warmer weather um, but also putting us back to that feeling I think the song was released in a when I was maybe 15 or so so back to when I was a teenager um, and that feeling of being at home and there's not a lot in the world at the moment that we need to care too much about, sort of carefree, those kind of carefree times, not too many worries, um, but also coming back to connecting with nature again as well, 
um, thinking about those the three little birds telling us not not to worry too much. Um, I think that nature connection just helps put things in perspective sometimes as well, um, which has been very helpful for me as part of these lockdowns that we've had. seen lots of changes in society over the last year two years because of covid and the mm. responses to it we've seen lots of changes in in society in our communities what do you think is going to stick and perhaps more importantly what do you hope will stick I, one thing that i hope will stick will be the idea that we can spend time locally and that maybe you know we we can have a lot of these experiences that we had traditionally maybe had when we're traveling um but we can actually experience a lot of those things where we are now um and bringing us back to the you know idea of being able to experience and things in our backyards that we may have thought in the past that we couldn't have done um, that we can now. So thinking, maybe thinking a bit more locally um, in in that case. I like the 
idea that the sorts of action that you are involved in, the sort of initiative that you're involved in, is really putting the putting the wheels on the the old saying of think global, act local. It is actually doing stuff that's having a bigger impact by working locally. Is that is that a sort of a conscious yeah, effort sure. that you're making? Um I wouldn't say necessarily conscious, but it seems to be coming up quite often. So perhaps we will be putting it more into that conscious realm. Because, it, but you are working on more than it would be nice to have the birds here. It does. It, 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 the drivers are wider yeah. than that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, of course. Yes. So. Do you think that there are any lessons that we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for those bigger sorts of questions, those bigger drivers, things like climate change and biodiversity collapse on a big scale or social justice? Um, I think be, being um, aware of what's around and ha having connections with people, friends and family um, and with nature, for example, probably some of the, the biggest lessons and being more um, centred on things that maybe necessarily aren't quite so global, as, as we were saying. Um, can be you know really beneficial to us and and um yeah having more so social connection um at a more local scale um i think for myself it's been been much more beneficial and moving forward we'll try and put more effort into Um, just, just spending time with, with other people and spending time out in nature and um, taking those moments to just take a breath and, and sort of breathe it all in. The discussion that we had with the now late uh, Phil Bishop over um, talking about the role of frogs and, and we were talking about how mm. it's really easy to get in behind the charismatic megafauna and and how does he work to get people involved in the frogs? And he was a bit offended because he thought that frogs were charismatic mm -hmm. megafauna. So you've got the kaka as the the headline. We need to, you know, we, we want to be seeing the kaka here because they are spectacular. Mm. But it's more than that. It's 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 the whole system and it's the ugly little worm that people don't really know what it's called. They wouldn't want to pick it up. How do you engage people in that kind of the the, the darker side's the wrong term the 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 muddier <laughs> side yeah I guess i mean that's the i guess that's a bit of the challenge sometimes as you're saying it's those charismatic species that people tend to be really interested in, but I think those yeah i say uncharismatic species I don't know if that's quite the right term um, they there's something you can find about those species that is really exciting so it's just finding those little little bits of really interesting information about those other species that that then ignite that um, interest in them um, yeah it, it's an interesting one though I have some questions to end the show. What is the biggest success you've had in the last year or so? Hmm. Um, I think probably one of the biggest successes was actually gaining some funding for the project, as we were talking before about funding, so that we were able to continue with what we were doing was... Um, was really special and I'm incredibly grateful 
to um, all of our supporters of the project, all of our volunteers that are still engaged and just everyone that is um, involved with the project in any way. I'm very grateful and feel like that's such a huge success at the time that we are in at the moment. We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? Awesome. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, I don't know, maybe make, making connections with, with people, getting excited about similar interests. Getting excited about worms and getting other people excited about them. Yeah, exactly. Worms are great. Love worms. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, I would probably say no. Um, but other people may say differently in terms of what their definition of the word activist is. You mean they might see you as an activist? Yeah. It's not something I've thought too much about, so I would say I probably don't see I don't see myself as an activist, no. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, is it thinking about having those connections with nature and with other people, seeing people at work, seeing my flatmates, um, being able to share what we are doing and that excitement about um, native species, really and the environment. So what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Um, don't know if we're really looking forward to it, but you know, one of the biggest challenges is around how can we keep doing what we're doing within the guidelines with COVID, how can we keep our community safe um, while still taking our actions into keeping the wildlife and the environment safe as well. Um, so that in itself, I guess, does provide a bit of an opportunity because it allows us to spend a little bit more time thinking outside the square um, and how we can still connect with people on that level, but still staying safe. And one big thing that the pandemic has given you is that people have spent more time at home looking out the window or roaming around in their own garden. People are more connected to their space. Yes. Yes, I mean, I hope that is one of the things that ha has come out of the pandemic, pandemic sorry, is the, the fact that we have spent a lot more time at home over the last year, two years now nearly, I suppose. Um, Spending that time at home and having made those observations about seeing maybe things you might not have seen in your garden before, um, or I mean I know certainly for that first lockdown was actually noticing how noisy the birds can be in the morning sometimes without having a lot of the kind of vehicle noise I suppose. Um, and so we have started making those connections so it is just kind of growing those and reminding us that they're still here still all here um and so we can still connect with it too i think if you were to write a little summary of the first lockdown people would say baking bread lion king and the birds were really noisy <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, I suppose one piece of advice could be to take time to take notice of, of 
nature of friends of family of um, the places and spaces around us and take that moment to just spend some time not on the devices sometimes good advice thank you Mawera clear community engagement coordinators are the glue that binds our community you guys connect everyone and everything and you inspire change and growth and excitement and you're our community heroes i reckon so i just want to say thank you for all the work that you do uh, and for all the lives that you enrich with your goodness kia ora thanks for joining us thank you been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is R.E.M. Stand. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawera Karatai in Fakatani, and in Norfolk Valley, Dunedin, we've been joined by Claire Cross. That was Blowing Bubbles. We really hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.